0: You know, people are thinking when they get a cold email from someone they don't know is like they're looking for reasons not to respond right and usually what they're thinking is that you're not one of us right this is this is not one of my people so you really need to get the prospect to flip to hey this guy's this guy or gal is like they're speaking my language you know let, let, let me continue reading this so
1: welcome to outside sales talk where we meet with industry experts to learn the strategies and tactics that make them successful I'm your host, Steve Benson, and I've helped thousands of salespeople all over the world crush their quota. Today, I'll help you crush yours. Welcome back to the Outside Sales Talk. Today, I've got Jason Bay with me, and we're going to be discussing crafting a predictable sales pipeline. Jason, welcome to the show.
0: Thanks for having me on, Steve. Looking forward to it, man.
1: Outstanding. So, Jason is the co-founder of Blissful Prospecting a company that helps B2B sales reps, SMBs, and nonprofits create sustainable revenue growth. He's worked with hundreds of sales reps and personally closed millions of dollars of revenue during his career. Jason, let's jump into it. Um, How can salespeople build a predictable pipeline from scratch?
0: So one of the things that is really important, and just with the reps and sales teams that I've worked with that I've noticed is uh, segmentation of your, the types of clients you work with is, is the first thing that you need to do. And it might sound like a very obvious thing, but just a lot of the people I see don't do this for some reason. So what this means is, let's say you're selling traditional advertising, you work with, let's say banks, uh, you want to work with big grocery stores that are local and you work with car dealerships. Uh, The first thing that you need to really do is sort of segment those out, at least by industry. So that when you go to write messaging and reach out to them, whether that's dropping in and you know, doing the door-to-door thing, sending them emails, doing cold calls, etc., you really need to think about what are the different types of companies that I want to reach out to and those ideal client profiles. And what that's going to help you do is create personas. So the roles that you're reaching out to. And then once, you're, once you do that, you can customize the messaging because uh, a chief marketing officer at a bank obviously is going to have very different challenges and, and speak in a different language than chief marketing officer of Whole Foods or a chief marketing officer at an auto dealership. So that's where I would suggest starting is looking at all the types of clients you work with and segmenting them into ideal client profiles and really focusing on the personas and the types of people that you're working with and interacting with.
1: And uh, is it that persona focus that helps salespeople connect with their customers and prospects to grow their business? Or are there other tricks that you'd like to talk about as well?
0: Yeah. I mean, we could take this in a lot of uh, directions here, but what I see missing primarily is in order to like, really connect with someone in your prospect, you have to be able to empathize with them, right? One of the challenges we have as salespeople is oftentimes we're selling to people and we've never done their job before. So if you just focus on the organization and the ideal client profile and you say, I want to work with this industry, car dealerships, people aren't really going to resonate to things about their company as much as they are things about themselves. So with that persona, the thing that you really want to think about, and if you don't know these answers, I would suggest interviewing your customers. It's the most effective way that I found is, and to ask them questions about their job, you know, what are your responsibilities on a daily basis? Like what are your goals? What are you trying to accomplish with your marketing? If we're using a someone selling traditional advertising as an example, what challenges do you have that keep you from doing that? Um, Are there any fears that you have around your job? Like what is like really keeping you from accomplishing what you want? And when you ask those questions, people are going to give you all kinds of crazy answers that you actually didn't think about. And they're going to use very, very specific language that you might not be using when you're cold calling or when you're sending emails or when you're dropping by and doing an in-person visit. So that's like, there's to me, it's not like a trick necessarily. It's doing the hard work of actually talking to these people and then ass- don't, not making the assumption, excuse me, that you know everything that you need to know about the prospect. That's going to give you all the language that you need to, to use in, a, in an email over the phone. Like I said, if you're cold calling or dropping in in person.
1: And how, how can salespeople define their ideal client and, and then use that to catch their attention?
0: Yeah. So what I would suggest doing is looking at your last maybe quarter, or depending on your deal size and how many clients you work with, you know, you might have a deal size where you only close a couple clients a quarter. So you might look at the entire last 12 months. And what I would look at and use a tool like LinkedIn sales navigator, Apollo is a free one, and your company might have other you know, data uh, platforms that you're using. And you can plug those in and start looking for patterns. So you're going to find patterns in the industry, you're going to find patterns in the employee count. Um, I'm going to use the example again, if you're selling traditional advertising, you're going to find patterns in the size of the marketing departments and you're going to find all kinds of patterns there. So your ideal client profile at the, at the minimum needs to have the industry employee counts, the department size, et cetera. And in terms of clever ways to get their attention, I always lead with challenges. So if I can lead with a challenge in the words that they might uh, Used to describe that challenge, like that's the thing I'm going to open with, and I'm not going to pitch my product or service right away. I'm going to try to relate with them on a challenge first. So what that you know might sound like, for example, like we work with nonprofits. So nonprofits have challenges with their corporate development. So they want to find better partners that can support their mission. So I'm going to lead with that challenge. Hey, one of the things that you know chief revenue officers at nonprofits have been telling us is that they have a lot of challenges working. With really tight resources in their corporate development department. And they don't have the time to do the prospecting that they'd like in order to hit their fundraising goals. I wasn't sure if that's a challenge that you're having right now, but if it is, we'll be able to help. You know, can I send over a case study from a client we recently worked with? Like That's, that's sort of how this sounds. And the challenge is, is what the person is going to connect with you on. They're not going to connect with these outrageous, we can 10x your whatever. <laughs> right? We're seeing way too much of that on LinkedIn, like these, this incremental... Uh, improvement is really what is realistic for most people and what most companies and and people are looking for when they get solicited.
1: So as a salesperson, how can you engage with your customers to learn from them what would make your product or service better?
0: That's a really interesting question. Uh, What, and this is actually how we started Blissful Prospecting. Like we used outbound, right? To just start conversations with people that I thought would be interested in help with their prospecting, whether that be through training or doing it for them. And one of the things that we can do as sales reps is we can kind of provide that market research or that product research, excuse me, and do all kinds of stuff. So I think that there's an opportunity to talk with people and say, Hey, we've never worked with a client in this industry, but I think based on other things that we've done here, that companies of this size in this industry, and this role is probably going to be a good person to reach out to. Let's see if I can find a dozen or a couple of dozen, those people in my territory and start talking to them about their goals, fears, and challenges and see if our product sticks with them or not. And people will tell you that what I love about doing a sales call is that you can ask those questions and people will be pretty honest with you about whether or not they see a vibe in your product because they won't want to talk to you again <laughs> if they're not interested.
1: Yeah, it's interesting, it's it's uh it's how I've always regarded this as one of our company's early competitive advantages. We because I w- you know, I started the company and I my background's all sales. I I was always getting on the phone with the, the people that I believed were the going to be the users of the product once we got it built and talking to them about what well, what their biggest problems were. Yeah. answers to those questions helped me lead the engineers on what they should build. Um, and you're here because you, you kind of start out, you think you know what problem you're solving, but to actually decide what exactly it's doing, how exactly it's doing it, what exactly it looks like, what's the exact experience, you really have to be pretty close to your customers to answer those Yep. Those questions correctly or you can go way down the line and realize you were six degrees to the left on uh, on on What you were building and so after you've traveled 10 miles, you're actually pretty far off of your of, of where you should have gone Yeah,
0: have you heard of the jobs to be done framework?
1: No, what's that?
0: So Jason freed over at base camp um, he kind of popularized it. He didn't come up with it, but they use it at base camp and I've, that's where I heard about it. But it's essentially looking at your prospects uh, and saying, hey, these people have not just a job, like I'm a sales manager, not like that, but they have jobs and specific activities and tasks that they do throughout the day to complete their job and fulfill their their uh, responsibilities. So the jobs to be done is looking at like what are the different workflows that people have throughout the day in which they intersect with challenges that relate with your product or service. So that's where you can really nail a challenge and really empathize with someone is if you understand how your product or service interacts with their daily workflow, you could say something like, uh, hey, nonprofit, you know, CROs are, uh, uh, what I hear them say a lot is when they go to build a list at the beginning of the quarter of accounts they wanna go after, They struggle with being able to put together a big enough list because they don't have the tools to find. Like you can be very, very, very specific. And that's something that not only will be helpful for your product team, obviously, but it also gives you the language in which to sell to people as well.
1: Very cool. Um, Well, on on that language, what tricks and tips do you have for salespeople who want to communicate with their prospects to turn those prospects into customers?
0: Uh, language. So this is a, there's a couple tips I have. So one, you want to make sure you're speaking in the prospects language, which doing a customer interview is one way of doing that. Um, if you're at a company and let's say, again, I'm going to use the traditional advertising you're selling to CMOs, your company probably has a CMO. So you can talk to the CMO and figure out a little bit more about their challenges, how they talk about stuff. That's, that's a good little hack. The other thing you can do is just get on Google. So like, for example, uh, you could get on, if you're selling to car dealerships, there are podcasts for people that run car dealerships. You could learn a little bit more about their world and how they talk about stuff. There's, there's things on YouTube. So the first part is, Hey, I need to talk about challenges. I need to speak in their language. I need to make sure I'm not using words that they wouldn't use. Uh, that's, that's number one. Number two, in terms of language is being as specific as possible and concise with what you want. So in an email, that's like three to five sentences usually, less than 120 words. In a cold call, that's you know, five to 10 seconds right, with your pitch. If you're in person, that's maybe 10 or 15 seconds before the person just kind of shuts off. So being very concise to the point, um, you know, not using filler words, I, I really suggest using you and your more than you use the word I, you know, when you're talking and and when you're, when you're prospecting. But outside of that, I mean, those are, those are sort of the tips and tricks. Uh, The the majority of the work needs to really be spent figuring out how they talk about their challenges, how, how they buy versus how you can sell to them.
1: So I've, I've read stuff that you've done before, obviously. Tell me about your reply method, the R E P L Y method.
0: Yeah. So we came up with the reply method because we've literally written hundreds of email sequences, cold email sequences for our clients. And we experienced a lot of challenges in doing that. And this is what we hear a lot of reps in sales teams say too is, Hey, when I go to write an email, uh, how do I know what to say? (laughs) You know, they, they write a different thing every single time. And then the other thing that we hear a lot of obviously is, Hey, I'm sending a lot of cold emails. I think I'm sending the perfect thing or saying the perfect thing in a voicemail or on a cold call. But people just aren't receptive to it. They aren't responding. So the reply method is a five-part framework that you can use when doing this stuff from scratch or when troubleshooting. So it's really going to help if you're sending any sort of cold emails and that sort of thing. So do you want to go through each of these uh, individually? Okay.
1: Yeah, yeah. Let's let's do the R, the E, the P, the L, the Y. Because you know the goal here is to teach our listeners uh, kind of some new skills and new ways to look at at their sales job.
0: Definitely. So. I want to flip this around and you just real quick, Steve, what's the first thing you think when you get a cold email, what's going through your head?
1: Uh, Is this relevant or not?
0: Yeah. So the, the R is for results and really what prospects are thinking is like, Hey, is this relevant? What's in it for me? And really where you need to get them to flip is, ah, this looks interesting. So the results piece is really figuring out, are you sharing a tangible result? So, if you're selling advertising for example like we need to know what the goal is of the person that we're reaching out to so if it's a cmo it might be driving leads right well we need to mention the specific result that we can help them accomplish the second part to results is leveraging social proof so where i see a lot of reps making mistakes is they'll reach out to a company that's not a fortune 1000 company and they'll say hey we've worked with amazon and google and all these other cool companies and that doesn't really help you much with social proof if you're reaching out to a grocery store like Whole Foods, they don't really care as much that you've worked with a tech company uh, like Amazon or or some, some, well, actually, that's a bad example because Amazon owns Whole Foods now. (laughs) So that might actually be really relevant. (laughs)
1: Um,
0: But uh, we could use Apple as an example. So just sharing case studies, uh, companies you've worked with utilizing social proof that's relevant uh, another trick that you can use if you're doing you know, more territory-based sales where maybe you're selling in a city or a state or the West Coast is you might pick companies that are in the same state or city and share those. Hey, we worked with local companies here. So what that's going to do is it's going to help what you're doing feel a little bit more familiar. I always say results are the universal language in business. Everyone understands a result that's tied to their role. And you really need to talk to your process. If you don't, under- if you don't know what results are important to them, you need to ask them. Uh, and start with your existing clients. So the second piece, we've been talking about this a lot is empathy. Uh, the way that you connect the result is through empathy. And the thing that, you know, people are thinking when they get a cold email from someone they don't know is like they're looking for reasons not to respond, right? And usually what they're thinking is that you're not one of us, right? This is This is not one of my people. So you really need to get the prospect to flip to, hey, Hey, this, guy's, this guy or gal is like, they're speaking my language. You know, let, let, let me continue reading this. So you really need to mention frustrations and challenges related to your product or service and use your value prop in a way that connects through that challenge. I gave you several examples earlier. And the second piece to this is making sure you don't sound like a robot. So writing emails is very, very tough. It's not, a, it's not an easy thing to do. But one of the biggest things that you can do when getting started is just talk about it out loud. So like if we were writing emails, Steve together, like I would be talking out loud, like, okay, so what do we know about the prospect? Uh, you know, based on what they shared in these interviews, it sounds like these are the top three challenges. And I would just openly talk about what those challenges are and be able to have a conversation around it first. And then I can get that into my talk track if I'm cold calling um, or by uh, emails, if I'm cold emailing. So write how you speak. You don't need to use proper grammar. Uh, write how you speak. Be as conversational as possible. Piece number three is, and I'm going to ask you again, Steve. Do you do you ever respond to cold emails if they don't personalize it?
1: Um. Yeah, I don't really care. I, I mean, I, I, cause and I'll get things that are screwed up. Like they'll, you know, it'll be sent to, you know, our VP of sales or our VP of marketing or something. It'll it'll end up in my email box. Uh, and and i'll I'll reply if it's you know it it's about the message and what they what they're doing mm-hmm. um you know the email yeah i mean I, it it's gotta be i will it, it something can hit my desk and I can still engage even if it's not personalized but obviously yeah. it sounds a lot better if it is and i just i assume. I'm going to assume it's a little more tailored – it's a little more – a better fit for me if they – if someone actually took the time to, like, tailor it and write something and, you know, customize it to me or they understand our industry a little bit or our, customer, our company size or something that makes me think, oh, these guys think I'm a good, good fit because of X, Y, Z. So I should actually probably yeah. take a second and listen to them because they went out of their way to – to try to figure out that this, was, uh, yeah. this is relevant to me, so it's it, it, there's a decent chance it is.
0: Yeah, dude, that is the nicest response I've ever heard to that question. <laughs> <You're>, <laughs> I think you're nicer than, than most. Uh, well, I'm, I'm the, I'm the I, same way as you, actually. Like, I've, I've written if someone...
1: so, many, so many cold emails <laughs> in my life that, uh, it, and I used to have, I mean, you know, I used to have to write these things by hand, right? Not like, you know, with a yeah. but like, you know, my my early jobs out of school, email was pretty new and uh, yeah. you know was this
0: before the copy and paste function?
1: this was yeah, <laughs> I, this, well, I, I didn't know about control c control, <laughs> control. Yeah. But I, I, like if I, I had my cold email and I would copy the person's email out of a spreadsheet or, or what yeah. was I would pay or no it was out of our like old homegrown CRM I would copy their email, copy their first name, copy it you know paste in, paste in, and then send the email. And then I'd do that 500 times in a day.
0: <laughs> yeah. I kind of wish it was like that still, just because it would make it so much harder for people to to spam and send out these like mass blast emails. Yeah. But uh, bottom line, like, so the P is for personalization. The bottom line is that doing some personalization is usually better than doing none. So if nothing else, I can at least show you, and this is really what you want the the prospect to see is that this person, like you, you said something very interesting there where if I can see that they took to, uh, the effort to try to make me see that there's a fit here, like I'm much more willing to give that person a shot. So you're showing it's the person funny. that you I
1: actually, I care less if they've researched me and more that they're like, oh, because Badger Maps is a yeah. sales enablement tool in the SaaS space, like that connects with CRMs. I, I thought that this was a good fit for you because of this, this, and this you already yeah. have, you already have my attention, right? Because you're, you know, they could actually, they could misspell my name <laughs> like yeah. throw a pH in there or something. But if they know the company yeah. cold, then, and, and like why this is a fit now, that, that's a really is going to hook me.
0: Yeah. So personalization can come in the form of finding something personal to you, which that works a lot with people. I'm not a, a huge fan of, Hey, we went to the same school, like all that other stuff. Yeah. Um, but it sounds like, you know, what is really important for you is personalization for your company, right? And making sure that, hey, I've, I, someone has taken the time to think about how their product or service could fit with my company and why I would benefit with that.
1: Mm-hmm. So,
0: bottom line, you need to show the person you did your homework. The sweet spot, Sales Loft, is a sales engagement tool. They studied millions of emails. They found the sweet spot is about 20% of the emails should be customized for every prospect. Typically, mm-hmm. that's the first two sentences.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so, you, gotta uh, catch, you gotta catch the, uh, the attention up front.
0: Yeah. So another quick thing there, the reason why those first two sentences are important too, is that most people don't realize that what, the deciding factor for someone opening an email, which if you have a crappy open rate, it could be as low as you know, 15, 20%, but it could be as good as 70, 80%. That's where a lot of our clients are at. And it's because we not only take the time to have a good subject heading, but the first two sentences appear in the preview text in the email too. And people don't really think about that. So if that's personalized and it doesn't sound super salesy, people are more likely to open it. Yeah. So L is for laser focus. So that's the next part. There's just a couple quick rules here. Like you don't want to make someone feel exhausted right when they open the email and just not read it because it's so freaking long. So a couple of rules of thumb here. Um, What we have found is that the email should be less than 120 words or three to five sentences. It should have a very clear call to action So the prospect shouldn't have to think about what to do next. You kind of need to lead them down a path. So if you want them to look at a case study, say, hey, check out this case study from this company, or hey, one thing we've been testing a lot and having some success with is asking if we can send something over to them before linking to it. It's an extra step, but there's something about the psychology of saying yes to something Mm -hmm. uh, small, and you get a conversation started that way too. Mm -hmm. So that's something that you could try. The other thing that that we like to do later on in email sequences, this is great for for email follow-ups too, is being very specific down to, hey, do you have some free time to chat this Thursday or Friday after 3 p.m. Pacific time? You know, being very, very specific about the ask. Uh, And then with the subject line, there's another, a couple other uh, quick tips. Keep it between three and six words. So keep it short and sweet. Uh, We've had a lot of success with one word subject lines too. So if you can find a way to squeeze one word in there, like if I'm reaching out to a company and selling prospecting it, it, might just be prospecting question mark, you know, so just test some different things. People don't really see a lot of one word subject lines. So they're, they might be likely to open it. The second piece to that too, is we've seen between a 20 and 30% increase in open rates. If you include the person's first name in the subject line. So
1: we actually, uh, we often include their first name in the subject line. Yeah. And then also at the, as the first line of the email. So it's, you know, John comma, you know, whatever we say. And then, and then as a subject, then, then as the actual body, it's John comma, what whatever we say for the body. So the, having their name in there, we've found, uh, I mean, we, we AB test all this stuff with stats. Like that we found both of those things are really helpful.
0: Yeah. And it's super easy to do. You can bring someone's first name in to the subject line through a merge tag. You don't, it's not like you have to write it every time. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Um, it's not like it's uh, when I started my group. <laughs>
0: yeah, you're not copying and pasting. <laughs> yeah,
1: with before, the right before
0: click. control C and control V. Yeah, that,
1: that would have um, been uh, <laughs> that would have been a whole extra copy paste. I hate
0: it. Oh, we're gonna talk about productivity later. I think that's one of my things actually, because people still do that. But uh,
1: oh no, <laughs> it's crazy.
0: So well, okay, so
1: there's there's a question for you. Uh, <laughs> tell me or. Your- the, you know, the individual salesperson out there that, that's doing this stuff for themselves, um, what do you think the best strategy is for the best product or, or service for them to actually do these types of mail merges or, or, you know, whether it's for prospecting or keeping in touch with existing prospects and customers, um, whatever, whatever it's for, what do you think is the best service for them to use?
0: Uh, so the best tool to use like for email,
1: uh, yeah, for, well, for, for mail merges of this nature.
0: Mail merges, yeah. Uh, we really like a tool called Mixmax, so it's very affordable also. You're not going to be, you know, you could use outreach and sales loft, but I wouldn't suggest it unless you're actually doing a lot of calling and, like, multi-channel prospecting because uh, it's super expensive. I mean, it's it's going to be 1200 just to have a seat, and you're going to have to pay probably another 1000 bucks a year just to do VoIP and, like, all that other stuff. And it, there's just way more there than you need. Mixmax integrates with with Gmail. Um, Yesware is a pretty good one if you're using Outlook for whatever reason. Yeah, those are those are the tools I like. Uh, Mixmax in particular is cool because you can embed a lot of cool little widgets in there. So, like for example, instead of sending someone a scheduling link, you could actually embed in the email the times you have open in your schedule, and they can one-click schedule. So that's a like cool little thing. But I I, I like Mixmax.
1: That's cool. Um... Yeah, some others that come to mind are constant contact. Uh then there's uh not survey monkey, what's we'll the monkey one? Uh, MailChimp? MailChimp.
0: <laughs> yeah. The thing I wanna caution though with uh those two is that you they're they don't send the emails through their mail server. So if you're sending out newsletters, those are great. But for like one to one prospecting emails, since they're not sending from their your mail server, like it uses an alias, it's much more likely to go to promotions. And updates, so you you might have like a twenty to thirty five percent open rate, which is great if you have a newsletter. But for cold email, that's that's not great. Um, yeah. So and the a tool like MixMax is also going to integrate with your email client, so you can do follow ups through there and get you know just stats that you wouldn't get from like a MailChimp. You'll be able to test A/B test different flows and get all
1: kinds of cool stuff. Great advice. That's fantastic. Yeah, the another one that I've used in the past, or I guess my marketing teams uses, is, is uh, Reply App, um, which also that sends emails from from your uh, your actual email account. Yeah, Reply a good one. With I, yeah. I think, and it shares its name with your methodology, which is great. Yeah. <laughs> um, no relation, I assume. No. <laughs>
0: Well, yeah, it's funny when we we're when we when I was thinking of a name for this for the reply method, I was very surprised that no one else had any sort of like anything out there called reply method or had any sort of acronym at all so I was very surprised at, the, at that actually.
1: It's an it's an excellent in my opinion, it's an excellent acronym for a uh how to email back and forth. I
0: appreciate that. <laughs> um,
1: you did well on your branding there.
0: Yeah. So one of the, so I guess lastly, we have why which stands for you. So one of the big things I mentioned this earlier, and this is mistakes that we can make in our sales presentation too, is being so I and we centric. Like we want to say like, I, you know, I can help you do this. We'd love to hop on the phone and do this. We can help you with this. And most people don't care about your company, your product or your service or, or about you. Uh, if they don't know you like they just don't care they they really care about how you can help them so there's a couple little hacks here that you can use and one of them is just making sure that you use your you and your in your outreach more times than you use i you really shouldn't say i very many times at all
1: mm.
0: and what that what that makes the prospect feel like is that you're talking to them so one of the things that this is kind of hard to explain so this hopefully this comes out right but a lot of times when people write a cold email they don't write it with the prospect in mind. So in other words, they write it like you would a newsletter and like a mass blast, because that's what they do is they mass blast it out. So it sounds like the language sounds a lot like if a public speaker was not saying, hey, you know, your company is having issues doing this or whatever. They're using stuff like, hey, what does everyone think? You know, Like they're talking to a group instead of to the individual, even though they're in front of a group of individuals. And it's so much more powerful if you have seen a great public speaker when you feel like they're talking to you not at you. So the language needs to be you and your, like, it's going to feel more like it was a one-to-one email. Um, so that's, that's a, a, a hack right there. And then the other part to this too, is making sure that you're making the prospect the hero. So I always say, you know, no one wants to be Alfred. They want to be Batman. So your company is Alfred. You're helping Batman. Like if you position yourself as the hero, it's less, it's less appealing. And Donald Miller has a whole framework around this called Story Brand which is where I kind of borrowed that concept from. But you can't like make yourself the hero in the outreach because likely if you're listening to this, you're probably not selling at a company where when you send an email to someone, people instantly recognize the company name and like want to work with you really bad. That's probably not the reality that you have. So make it about the prospect.
1: Yeah, I'll tell you. I, I I used to work at IBM back when back when they were a big deal, and uh, I guess they're still a pretty big deal. Yeah. And, uh, and I worked at Google for for a while, and and they're obviously still a big deal. Uh, and it's it was a lot easier to to do yeah. outreach when when I was at those companies than it was when when I started this one eight years ago. This this was a lot harder. You, you, when you know you reach out to someone, and they're like, "Wait, where are you from? Never heard of that. Never heard of that." Yeah. Now, now, now that people have heard of us a little bit. it's it's a lot easier, but but even even now, it's obviously they haven't heard of us the lead here of, of Google, but yeah, um, but the, getting that depending on for a salesperson I think, depending on whether their company is a known brand, I guess what I would call a mini brand that often your buyer would have heard of because they're in the industry, et cetera, or a no brand. Um, I think is really, it's important to have that self-awareness and then adjust your strategy accordingly. Yep,
0: definitely. Yeah, I I cannot stress that the prospect doesn't probably know you. They don't care about you. They don't care what you're selling. Yeah. <laughs> so you got to empathize with them. You got to share results that you can create for them and, and just spark a little bit of interest. You're not trying to sell them
1: through yeah, an email we, we or also, a phone call. We often don't even say what we do. We just say that we have an app for field salespeople, when we describe what we do, right, and yep. and then if you are, you know, we, we we do the cold outreach to field salespeople, and so you know, I think a lot of times that just that alone piques their curiosity. Yeah,
0: who doesn't want to check out an app if you're a salesperson,
1: right? Yeah, like it, it and it's it's like, oh, we we make a thing specifically for you, and it does lots of things because it's also it's hard to describe what it does in one quick email and or. Yep. You know, in a line or two it's like well there's a lot of things for field sales people it's a whole piece of software for field salespeople, so we kind of just point them to our website where they can go deeper and that's kind of a call to action to go check out the website and and learn all you know and they can start going deeper and figuring out what it does but if i just came right out and said oh here it does this feature this feature this feature and here's you know a list of six other things that it does I find that to be a lot less effective, I think. So I think our marketing team really stays very broad on
0: that. No, that's, that's perfect. And you actually brought up something else that a lot of you know, sales teams uh, complain about. They're like, well, how are we supposed to talk about what we do in one or two sentences? Like we do so many things, like how do we pick? Yeah. So one, I agree 100% with what you said. Don't talk about the features. But two, you might have two or three different value props and angles that you're going to take. So like with you guys, I don't know what your value props are, but my guess is it's probably something around increasing productivity is probably an angle that you guys take Um, helping quote uh, salespeople spend more time in front of clients. uh, That might be another one Uh, helping them close more work just because they have more opportunity. There's all kinds of different angles you can take, but if you're sending emails and making cold calls and that sort of thing, you might over the course of a month or a month and a half try, two or three different angles. That way you have something to talk about. Don't just like talk about everything you do in the very first email. Then you have nothing interesting to talk about.
1: Yeah. We we have a, we have like, I think three or four emails that we send uh, when we're cold prospecting and we, and we approach it from different angles. But ultimately, I mean, you know, a a sales tool needs to help salespeople sell more. Right. And, and and that's a tricky value proposition because if you're just like, yeah, we're going to help you sell ten percent more. Like, yeah, that that's almost not enough because it's such a basic value proposition. that They're like, well, how? What? What do you do? Yeah, you know, but it clearly
0: that. works for you, though. You guys are very successful, so it's it's working.
1: I mean, yeah, the I, and I think you know, cool, uh, it's tricky. I, the cold outreach piece is is tough for us. I, I think. Yeah, it's certainly we we have gotten a lot of a lot of business over the years through it. But today, I think it's much more often that people are finding us because, you know, their friend is, yeah. using it, and they told them about it, or, you know, their company, you know, someone gets hired at their company who used it at their last company, and then the, the management finds out about it because of that person, because uh, they started using it at the new company too, and then it floats around. I mean, it, that being said, I mean, you know, we, we, still, we still get... I mean, I was just meeting with a customer, you know, I had to fly across the country. You know, so I was just meeting with a customer uh, recently and, and, and I asked her, oh, how would you hear about us? And it was from a cold email. And this is, you know, fortune-covering company. We, That's awesome. Someone on our marketing team sent a cold email to, to the right person on their operations team. And, uh, you know, they ignored it. I went and dug into it. They ignored the first one and the second one they responded to it. And, you know, it's a fortune-covering company you know, it's a big deal. So it's, you know, it's, uh, this stuff really does work. It's just, it's a matter of, you know, it's, it, it's needles in the haystack, but it really does. It really does. Yep.
0: Work. Yeah. There certainly is a volume play to it. So yeah. And it's, it makes it much harder when it's very accessible for people to at the click of a button for a few hundred bucks, send thousands of emails and you and I get those every single day.
1: Yeah, I, mean, I I get a, I, I get a comical number of them because so many startups yeah. and companies sell to software companies. Yep, and, and so
0: yeah, SaaS is tough. Yeah, if, I just if you're I in just, SaaS right now. You're getting hit up.
1: Yeah, <laughs> yeah I, I, I get inundated, but it's you know at the same time it's like you know my, my assistant helps and stuff, but you know, yeah, it's it, it, you know. It, uh, I do read a lot of them. So it does work <laughs> I mean, like, you know, so it, it actually, it is effective. So, you know, that, that'd be as much as I'm like, yeah, I try to weed this out, but it's, at some point can how how well can you, right? Like I mean, you got to read yeah. your emails. So, yep. well, what, what other tools, um, we, we talked about some some of the ways you can send stuff out. What other tools would you, would you recommend for effective prospecting to field sales folks listening today?
0: So I love Grammarly. So sending emails, writing documents, anything that you're writing in a web browser, and they have a desktop version as well. Um, I catch myself, my, my grammar is not awesome. And I do make a lot of spelling mistakes. And it'll it catches just about everything so I don't look unprofessional.
1: Yeah, your English uh, sounds fluent to me. <laughs> yeah, <laughs>
0: my, I'm still confused made about made the you and I and the you and me and the me and you thing. I, you um, know, my wife gives me crap
1: about this. Like last pronoun, night, <laughs> pronoun direct object. So this, this is a yeah. personal problem for me. My mother always corrected me, but wrong. So, oh. so I, I, I'm just a mess on the pronoun direct object thing because uh, she uh, she always like she always corrected me very. Very assiduously, but she actually doesn't understand what a direct object is very well. So it's a. Bit well,
0: I had the opposite problem, I guess. No one corrected me. <laughs> so, <laughs> um,
1: I don't know who's better off, but you know, I, yeah. I you know with, with, with the I versus me thing, uh, I, she and I went to the store. She and me went to the store. Yeah, like I don't know. I have to to stop and think about it to to not screw it up. So Grammarly, Grammarly. Yeah, Grammarly
0: is a great one. A Hemingway app is another one. It's free. You can copy and paste uh, your text into there, and it'll tell you if sentences are too complicated to read. Another one that I really really like is called Crystal, and it's crystalnose.com, and it's a LinkedIn extension. And like what you can do is pull up someone's LinkedIn profile, and it'll give you like a basic disc assessment on them. And it'll tell you and help you write emails to them a little bit better based on their disk source. So if someone likes to t- speak really casually, for example, it might recommend that you open up an email with, hey, so-and-so versus just their name. And if they don't like to speak casually and they're more, a little more formal, and it's like scraping all this information from their social sites and everything. And it's pretty accurate. Like It gets you like 80, 90% of the way there. I really like that tool. And then,
1: could you could you define DISC for us?
0: Uh, just said, like the DISC personality assessment, I don't even know what it stands for actually.
1: <laughs> but, but, it, but using the, just looking at their LinkedIn profile, they'll say if they want you to how they how they're likely to respond to yeah. To, It'll uh, give to approach in different ways.
0: Yeah, it it gives you recommendations on how to sell to them too. So you know, it'll at least tell you the basics of hey, is this person an extrovert or are they an introvert? You know, like what what do they uh how do they make decisions, etc. Uh it's a really inexpensive tool to check out. Um interesting. I would say those three are the the ones that really come to mind.
1: Okay. Well the next section I like to call sales in 60 seconds. So I'm gonna ask you a series of questions and the goal is to answer them in, in short answer. Um, so What's the best way to find B2B big clients?
0: Focus on a big client that you have right now and look for other companies that fit their exact profile.
1: Brilliant. Can you share your best tips to stand out when you're digitally prospecting?
0: Send a video like I did with you.
1: There you go. Uh, What are the biggest mistakes salespeople make when they're prospecting?
0: The messaging is Generic so they use the same exact messaging across different personas across different ideal client profiles So not taking the time to customize your outreach. Oh one other big mistake actually is uh, treating prospects equally so one of the the biggest things that you can do is When you're sending emails look for the people that are engaging with the emails and don't continue emailing people that aren't opening The emails or cold call them or do in-person visits like if you send hundred emails 30 40 50 people might open them And some of them are going to open them a lot of times. Focus all your extra effort on those ones.
1: And and using a tool like Mixmax or Yesware, um, a bunch of others, you you can you can do that, right?
0: Yep, and you can actually create uh, like automations. So with Mixmax, for example, you can say, "Hey, I wanted to create a task for me to call this person if they open up the email twice."
1: Oh okay. Um what's the best productivity advice you can give to salespeople for prospecting? I mean, this is obviously a heavy lifting activity.
0: Yeah, this is, I don't know why salespeople don't do this. Most of them that I talk to cause I have always have them open up their calendar and most salespeople I see use their calendar for appointments. They don't use it to actually block out things in advance. So one of the big things that I recommend is you do as much of your appointments in the afternoon as possible. Gong.io had a really big study on this and they showed that the the show rates were the highest to meetings and least likely to cancel in the afternoons. That doesn't mean if you need to meet with an important client, you don't do it the next morning, obviously, right? But try to really batch the things that you're doing. Uh, I try to schedule the things in the morning that I'm least likely to push off if I don't have time for it. So you're prospecting, you're personalizing, you're follow-up, like all that stuff. Block and tackle as much as possible and schedule recurring events In your calendar so that you know what your week looks like before you go into it and don't just use it for the appointments
1: great advice do you you have a favorite book or resource or article or video etc on prospecting
0: yeah books are a tough one with prospecting because it changes so quickly but the sales development playbook by Trish Bertuzzi is a really great one and then my favorite resource right now, honestly, check out gong.io. Check out their blog.
1: Yeah, they've got some great stuff. Oh
0: God, the content's so awesome. And for those of you that haven't checked it out, it's, they have a software that will sync up with your, whatever you're using to make outbound calls with and doing discovery calls with. So they can analyze the voice data and they they can find patterns in what people say, how they say it, how long they talk, Mm -hmm. pauses between how much the prospect talks versus them and they can correlate this with success rates and sales. So they have really great data, and they're able to prove and disprove like sales guru advice. I, I, like my feeling is that the age of the sales guru is over. If there's anybody that tells you, "Do this because I do it?" Um, I think they're completely full of you know what? Uh, I don't know if I'm allowed to cuss on here, so yeah, myself. Right. <laughs> okay. they're completely full of shit. Uh, like I want to see stuff that's data. I want to say, "Hey, I recommend doing this because this is what other successful sales organizations are doing, not because I'm a guru and I'm just telling you what works."
1: Mm-hmm. So
0: Gong, you're going to have a lot of really great insights that are backed
1: by data. Yeah, and and Gong is focused on inside salespeople, obviously. Um, you know the because they they listen to phone calls with software. But uh, and most everyone here is in general in field sales, but a lot of people, they, you know, I, I think do a bit of both. You know, they're outside three days a week and they're inside yep. two days a week. So, you know, it still could be a cool tool. Um, it's definitely, uh, they've, they've definitely gotten some great traction yeah. over, over at Gong. They're putting out some great marketing materials, especially for inside salespeople, I'd say. Yep. Really worth reading.
0: And if nothing um, else, read their, yeah, read their content. Their tool is, is great, but uh, yeah, if you're not making a lot of cold calls and doing inside sales, I, I wouldn't recommend signing up for their tool.
1: Yeah, but it, but it is uh, their content. I, mean, I, 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 don't, I don't subscribe to many things, but I am on their mail list. Yep. I, I have an unsubs- yep. They haven't earned my unsubscribe, which most people seem to do. So uh, as a final takeaway, what should the field salespeople listening today do as a first step to get started on prospecting?
0: Uh, the first step would be if you're not able to talk about the challenges in your prospect's language, I would talk to a past client and ask them those questions. You know, what are your, what were your biggest challenges prior to you know, working with us or using our solution? And see how they talk about it. Get that language down and, and uh, really document this stuff so that you can start speaking in the prospect's language.
1: Yeah. Well, Jason, this has been fantastic. I'm going to try to summarize uh, the wisdom that you've been dropping on us today here. Um, so Jason recommends segmenting your prospects by industry and you to do that. You think of the type of cus- companies that you want to reach out to and create personas that work at those customer companies that you want to reach out to, uh, in order to connect with people when you're prospecting, you really need to empathize with them, interview your customers, ask them questions about their job find out their goals, find out their fears, understand their challenges. And you'll often get answers you might not be thinking about, and you'll also learn the language that they use. You can then approach them, other customers like them, with that same language. You can use LinkedIn Sales Navigator or tools like Apollo to look for patterns in your clients to understand them a bit better. You can look at the industries, the employee count, data about the companies that that are buying your, your product and service currently that can help you identify who, where things are working. Relate with your customers and prospects first by understanding their challenges. Uh, understanding their challenges will allow you to actually connect with your prospects and it opens up conversations on, on how you and your product or service can help with those challenges. So let's talk about the reply method uh first to define it their the reply method helps you talk to your prospects in the best way possible first uh r results you you want to utilize social proof and uh the e empathy you want to connect with their challenges p personalization you got to do your homework and be able to personalize your message Uh, l is for laser focus you need a concise and a clear CTA, and you can't be too too long. Why? Uh, you want to use you and well, why stands for you? You want to use you and your a lot more than I or we when, when you are reaching out. You want to make the prospect the hero in your outreach. Jason has a few tools that he recommended for prospecting. He recommended MixMax and Yesware. Great tools to help salespeople send customized emails efficiently and kind of manage some of their workflows. Grammarly, great tool to help reps use correct grammar and spelling. Crystal uh, is a tool that can look at prospects in LinkedIn and help you sell to them. Is it called Crystal? I've never heard of that. Crystal? Yep. Okay. Um, Well, fantastic, Jason. Where can listeners learn more about your work? Where can they, how can they reach out to you? What's the best way to get in touch?
0: Uh, I would say the best place to get started because we spent a lot of time talking about the reply method and, you know, if you were working out while you're listening to this or driving, you probably didn't write it down. <laughs> so we put together a one pager on a PDF so you can use this as a cheat sheet and print it out or keep it on your computer desktop. That's at blissfulprospecting.com slash outside sales. All one word, blissfulprospecting.com slash outside sales. Definitely recommend checking that out. And then I am pretty active on LinkedIn as well, so you can find me Jason Bay Blissful Prospecting on LinkedIn, and those would be the two best places to start if you just want some free stuff to get a good idea of what we do and what we're all about. And if you're looking for you know training or help uh, implementing the Reply Method, you know hit us up at blissfulprospecting.com. More than happy to talk with you.
1: All right, well, Jason, I really appreciate you coming on the show. This has been a fantastic episode of the Outside Sales Talk. If any of our listeners can think of other sales reps that would benefit from learning the skills that Jason's talked about today, share the love and forward this uh forward this discussion on to them. Take care until next time everybody.